18. Also an 18. 16. Six. Hello and welcome to another episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. I'm your Dungeon Master, Aaron. I'm sitting around the table with the amazing Crown Killers. How are we feeling today, gentlemen? I resemble that remark. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm happy again. Around the table with me today we have... My name is Matt and I'll be playing Shabby. Michael and I'll be playing Drew. Bokuwa kairu I'm Tom, I play Maldox, and I consumed 25 beers last episode. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Which is the most beers anyone's consumed on this podcast so far. When the wedding gift expelled a noxious arcane aura, Monfrey was turned to dust, and the guests who had fallen in the blast rose again to attack the crown killers. They made quick work of these foes, and Jasui searched high and low for Sally while Shavi reacted and reeled to the death and realization the head in the box belonged to Dragon. Upon finding Sally, she animated with the voice of Delnak the Outcast, who made the Crown Killers a deadly promise. To watch them grow from afar, to see their empire expand, and then he would take it. From their cold, dead hands. As the night rolls on and everybody gets a rest, Mardox, you settle into your brand new room. Looking around, you can see red velvet curtains. You can see a thick shag pile carpet and a four-poster bed. What other elements of this room would you have placed in there yourself, given the hour or so that you have? At least three empty stubbies. (laughs) <laughs> you have fashioned yourself a stubby corner and as you throw a chinking uh, tankard into the corner you can see that mountain just grow it's at that point throughout the evening drew in your animal surrounded quarters you hear a faint and polite knocking on your door i will uh, walk up and open the door standing there you see shavi hey drew can i have a little titty chat shavi Anytime, come grab a seat and I shoo away some foxes. You, as he opens the door, in fact, you watch a menagerie of animals just run down the hallway. Like Ace, Ace Ventura, when he's like, mm-hmm. you can come out now. <laughs> yeah, Shavi walks in, kind of just helps himself onto the bed and just, yeah, plops himself down. Big old sigh. And straight into it, he's just, why? Why does everyone around me seem to just die? Shavi, that's awful. I don't know what to say. Well, I've gone from... Having originally many a loved one, from Key to like my whole clan, mm. now Dragon, all I've got left is you and sweet. I don't know what to do from here. Mm. Everyone keeps dying. Am I, is it me? Am I not strong enough? Am I, what, what, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do. Over the time we've spent together, I, I've watched you grow and I can definitely say that uh, it's not you that's not strong enough. I've seen you jab and gouge and jib foe after foe that have you know, not even seen what's coming you're definitely someone that should not be trifled with yeah, I, I, I don't know I just I feel like I need more like if I'm if I'm strong enough then the people around me can't be hurt and well I can hurt the people that want to hurt the people around me and 
Yeah, considering you and Jasui are the only ones I've got left, I'm not going to let that happen again. I think if anything, that sounds like a, a, a great motivator to continue on this journey. And as long as you're standing, as long as you're still fighting, those that we have lost will live on through you. Thanks, Drew. I needed that. But this whole Delnak thing, like, he seems to be proven to be quite the problem. He needs to be stopped. I've been thinking a little bit about it, and the only thing I've seen to found from thinking about Delnak is that, did you know, Delnak belt backwards is can led? And we can let him get away with this. (laughs) 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 Oh, fuck. (laughs) That was was such a touching moment and then just... Sharpie, true words have never been spoken, Sharpie. (laughs) As the night goes on, Shavi, you linger a little bit in Drew's room, but eventually you make your way back to your quarters. The moon high in the sky as the thunderclouds and dark rolling storm begin to occur across the bay. Drew, your sleep is broken at best. Can you please roll me a wisdom saving throw? 26. Okay. These dreams coming and going from you, you're finding that they're leaving you mentally and physically exhausted when you wake. You know that if these aren't controlled, if Demos keeps plaguing your sleep, you will start to suffer from effects as a result of being so in tune with the world around you and your arcane gifts with the world of the wilderness around you increasing. So does your connection to when it is out of balance. It's at that point, as you all awaken and reconvene, I've been awake for hours. You can see. In the main lobby of your fortress, Rodessa just seems to be going through the motions. You can see her crew begins to gather and she's instructing them as the crown killers make their way down from their respective rooms, gear on, ready for a day of planning their next move. From his room, you see Mardox burst out as well. What would you be looking like at this point? Uh, Mardox would be generally disheveled. That's just how he looks. But he'd be like kind of, Slicking his mullet back out of his face. Um, he's probably slept in his clothes as well. Um, I mean, he did live in a log house like yesterday. So contrary to popular belief, his, his first drink of the day isn't a beer. It's a coffee. So he's definitely on the hunt, but he's not in a good mood. The three of you make your way down into this lobby and you see like Shrek coming out of the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> My dog's begins <laughs> bursting out. You can see as well that your nose Somebody what's <laughs> Your nose finally attuned to the scent of coffee finds its way to the kitchen and you take one in a smaller cup than what you're used to, but you sip it all the same. Rodessa looks towards all of you and she says, It's all the same. I can't stay here. I'll be spending some time on the Crimson Wing. I'm still happy to do what it is you need in terms of loot, treasure, haulage, coin. Just call me if you need me. At this point as well, Mardok, she rolled down. So you watch as the crew of the Crimson Wing begin to leave. The iguana gives a last look at Drew, makes its way back up onto the shoulder of its owner, Viv, and Annie gives you a wink over the shoulder, Shavi, as she leaves. You all begin to make your way out, down the cobblestone path and into the city streets of Mediterri, which you can see is full of activity. You can hear the seagulls cawing. You can see lots of different people at marketplaces interacting 
and you also see a variety of aracocrine individuals that begin to maneuver their way up and down the internal pathway of your fortress, just we having employed them as the new rifleman and guard of the Crown Killer Fortress. You can see Dejan, the gunsmith, at the head, and as you pass, he's facing away from you, but you watch as his head does a 360 to greet you, and he nods as he does so as you pass by. And I give him the the finger, finger gun salute. At that, he knows that that's the signal to give the 12 firing shot salute as you walk by. So you just hear as you walk by. So everybody knows that you're on your way through the city. So through the city streets of Mediterranean, what are you guys doing? I think Mardox is kind of like stretching and he's like, so um, did a bit of chopping yesterday. Didn't get paid. My friend, uh, okay. And I reach literally to my belt where I've got like, a hundred gold in a pouch and I just take the purse off and throw it at Mardox. And I'm like, is this, uh, is this acceptable for a day's work? Mardox kind of like opens it. He's never actually held this much money before in his life. He's just like, oh, oh yeah, we, we can get the other half laid up. <laughs> <laughs> it has 128 gold in it, so you can put that down. Uh, my friend, uh, if I'm not mistaken... Jesse, but, uh, I'm joking, relax. Is, uh, is Jesui, my uncouth friend. Said. Just he's just dumbfounded, just looking at this individual. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think we got some planning to do. You are so correct, my friend. Drew, any uh, plans? Hmm. Do we think we need to include some of the pirate lords in this? Do we need Do we need their help? Or well, do you remember what we uh, what we tasked Mont for you with? I think uh, that may be our best point of call. Um, can we go to Monfrey's place to look through his notes and shit like that? Monfrey stayed with you, but he did a oh, lot okay. of his liaisings out of the Black Tide Tavern, which you guys know the way to, as just we got the shit kicked out of him in the back alley of that very place. Oh, yep. that day. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I remember just, just so you all remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I remember it. In Thanks, that place, Very clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, having lived in this place for a while, it encompasses two city blocks and you can see that a lot of it is wooden structures that seem to be shantied together, open plan underneath with uh, pylons holding up the roof and a lot of fishing nets seem to separate different sort of sections out of managing the, the crowds, so to speak. You can see that within the center, there's a circular bar that accommodates all of the area around and the bar staff there are just frantically working as always. Towards the left, as you walk in, there is a raised platform where most performers go, but that's sort of been fashioned with various different foliage, fishing nets, and various different uh, blockades for your own sort of privated area. It's at that point as you walk up into here, you get your breakfasts served, a smattering of meats, eggs, beers, ales, coffees, anything that you could imagine, pastries, baked goods. My friend, uh, just so you're aware, uh, this is uh, this is not paid time and... Uh, this food, it is not cheap. It is not free either. The Mardox is kind of like looking at it like... We will buy the beer. Hey, oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds good. So he goes to the bar, buys four beers and sits back down, but he puts all the beers in front of himself. <laughs> <laughs> and as that happens and you begin to converse, you can see a individual from the bar come down and have a chat to you. She says... Will your brother be joining us today? I have some notes on his latest Inquisition. He sees Mardox like doing the, the cut across the neck. X-nay like, nah. on the Monfrey, eh? Yeah. 
unfortunately, my brother will uh, no longer be uh, pursuing this investigation. Uh, if you would be so kind as to fill me in. He said the only one that I could talk to was you about it, so if you want all his notes. Yes, please, that would be uh, very helpful. Very well. She moves away for a moment, comes back after a few minutes and piles a p- bunch of papers on your desk. You can see as you go through them, your party begin to eat their breakfast and you can see that he has been in contact with someone by the name of Corvindor Kelkus. Corvindor Kelkus. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking mage name if ever I heard one. <laughs> so as you see a lot of these inscribings from Corvindor Kelkus, you can see that there is some diagrams being made that seem to be going back and forth and notes from Monfrey and Elvish that seem to add additions here and there. A plan seemed to have been enacted. One that he intended to reveal to you, but was cut short in doing so. You watch as well as you begin to thumb through the pages. You see this arcane seal and there is an arcane seal of what looks like a feather. As you get to it, it begins to flare blue. As it does so, your vision just sweet is faded and you can see this puff of smoke, almost like a magician had dropped a bead of smoke pellet. And then the rest of you coughing, you look towards your left and sitting next to you, there is a spindly old man that seems to have a beard that goes down to his belly. He's got three teeth in his head, one circular round eye and a wisp of hair that seems to go up off the top of his brow. You can see his back is very crooked and his arms are very nimbly. He looks towards you and he says, well now. Yes, uh, my friend, uh, unfortunately, and as I like, act, my vision starts to clear and are we talking like Bummy out of, is it Bummy out of Last Airbender? Is that Boomy? Boomy? Yeah, he kind of looks a bit like Boomy. Is this just a vision or is this, no, he's there. Yeah. They can all see him. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. all see the smoke. You all see this, this eminence happen. He's literally just like parked between you guys. It seems like he's just like operated out of thin air there. Yeah. And I'm just, ah, uh, my friend, uh, I am Jesui Undu and you, I assume, would be Cavendor Kelkus? No, it's Corvindor Kelkus. I'm the... Did you say Commodore? Corvindor, Corvindor Kelkus. I have been a mage here in Mediterranean. I'm the head of my order, Monfrey founded me out and he said that him and his friends i assume you're his brother as you 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 are correct in your assumption my friend anyway i'm the head of my order and i said that i would help him out with a turtle problem it seems like i'm hitting all the right notes with with your fine party i've, I've heard whispers of all of you by the way we were we were quite in fear of, of of the new leadership as it came in we didn't know where the majors stand but once you lifted the band on arcane users around the, the town and the city well, we've all been free to do as we wish. Been fun. I'm glad we could help. But now you see, uh, it is time for you to uh, repay a favor. It's not explicitly a favor, but uh, we need your help and we could use, you know, any uh, information that you could provide us with in our coming... He holds up a finger and touches your lips. <laughs> <laughs> and he says... Let me just convene with my order and, and and see if we can share these secrets with you. And you watch as he like turns to one side and he goes, Oh, yes, I do believe that these individuals are trustworthy. Are you sure about that? Oh, no. He watches he looks to his other member and he's just like, Yes, I do believe. He looks undeniably like, like Monfrey. And he looks back and he says, <clears throat> I have conversed with my order and I do believe that I can show you. So how many uh, people are in this order of yours? 
Oh, there it, and he starts counting on his fingers. Oh, no. oh. and then there's there is about half a dozen. Uh, do all of these people have their own bodies? Well, they used to, but in order to protect them from the Crown Corsair, we all decided that the best way to hide ourselves is to do so in one body. So here we are. Straight. And you are the most sociable one of the order? Well, I'm the one that Monfrey dealt with the most, so I'm also the most charismatic and pretty. Could you uh, tell us more about um, what it is that you're working on with Monfrey? Absolutely, but I feel like things like this, you can tell somebody a tale of regality about arcane natures, but it's best if they experience it themselves. You are for a little walk. Uh, Okay. Fuck walking, we'll use magic. (laughs) (laughs) You watch as he wheels this blue circle around you all and eventually you're sitting in the same position but as you're sitting instead of being inside the black tide tavern you hear the sound of waves crashing you smell seaweed and it seems that you have been transported into a cavern that seems to reside somewhere outside of the city you listen and you can hear the sounds of meditary in the distance probably not so far away but you seem to be in this secluded area you look towards the mouth of this cavern and you can see there's a blue shimmering light that seems to actually uh, barricade it from natural view. As you thump down, you're sitting around a barrel that seems to have seats around it and you're in the exact same positions. And he says, uh, if you'd feast your eyes. And he looks over this way and you watch as he shoots some sparks out of his hands and he shakes them as they didn't quite come out properly. And he's just like, and he does so. You watch as the cavern completely lights up. Mardox is like mouth open. He's still got like a bit of egg in in it. And it's like the egg just falls out. He's like, has never seen this kind of crazy magic voice. It's like, what? There seems to be a complete ship. But the ship is made of wood. And throughout all of the wood, you can see carved into it, and not an inch of it seems to be free, these runes. As you walk up to it, Drew, make an arcana check. You put your hand across the hull. 23. Every single one of these runes seems to have a spell of sleeping. It seems that when these runes are broken or when the ship is sunk, these spells activate, causing whatever is in the vicinity to suffer from the effects of the sleep spell. As this individual, Corvindor, looks at you, knowing that you understand, you just hear him and he's really close to you, like uncomfortably close. You hear and smell his breath as he says, yes, yes, you get it, don't you, boy? See, Monfrey was a clever individual and with the six of us all trapped in here and he taps his temples. It's like this just was waiting to come out. This is, this is months and years of, of stored arcane energy. Just this is the result right here. Can you believe it? Drew has, now has, you see a massive grin on his face. He looks to everyone else and all he says is, gentlemen, I think we may have the answer to our problem. Yes, yes. See, what I wanted to do was, uh, well, well, yes, it wasn't all your idea. Yes, it was my idea. You see him just conversing with himself. He says, this, this was Monfrey's brainchild. And I guess, I guess it's ready to be revealed to those that need it. Will he be, will he be coming to see the finished product at all? Of course we will. Oh, well, good. Tell him that uh, the helm is just as he, he requested. It will, uh, he called it self-sail. 
I'm, and, I'm sorry, my friend. Did you ask if Monfrey was coming? Y- yes, did I not say Monfrey? Did I? S- my apologies. Uh, no, no, Monfrey will not be uh, seeing anything. He's dead. <laughs> just dropping like a plank of wood the face of this individual drops and his voice changes as well he says well that is not good at all and you can see him yes it's not very nice news yeah, yeah we, we quite liked Monfrey and every time he changes his voice you see his eye just like tick a little bit almost like he's flicking through the slides of a, of a like one of those old photograph yeah. players. I love this guy. And he looks around to you and he says, sad, sad news indeed, but at least his legacy will help you fulfill the plans you need to. His death will not be in vain. I assume that his uh, promise to us remains intact, however, despite his falling. The uh, promise? Ah, yes. He, he said that his brother was wealthier than a king from the west, and that he would pay a wizard's tower in the center of this very city, secure and safe for all of us to reside. And how many will reside in this uh, wizard's tower? All six of us, and he points towards his head. Then before I agree to this plan, and I am not saying I will not, but this wizard's tower, it must teach, it must recruit, it must grow. Will you take this charge? Colvindor says, fuck no, I'm not a teacher. I'm a mage myself. Everything that I find is mine. And you watch as he ticks again and he says, uh, that is unethical. We will be teaching the newest generation of wizards. And you watch as the other one just says, yes, it is our duty to pass on the line of arcane knowledge to everybody that is this way inclined. And you hear that just the original voice click back and he goes, ah, well, it seems like I'm fucking outnumbered. (laughs) 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 Then my, uh, my a special friend, uh, yes, the, uh, the crown killers, do you have any, uh, any opinion on this? Deal? No objections. I think if we're putting, yeah, if we're creating a wizard tower, I think it should be open and free for all magic inclined to be able to use. And we are, we foot the bill. And that's a good example. Yep. Yep. We could try a hex debt. We will, we will pay for the, all of the, the, Wizard Tower. Wonderful, because I have amazing plans. And you watch as he makes his way to a desk and starts shuffling through papers. And he says, a hanging garden for Belfort and for me. And he's just rambling now. You all go and look at this vessel. It is a pretty expensive looking keelboat. And it seems to have been robbed or taken from an individual that did not follow the way of the crown killers. Oops. Ah. Ah. Yeah, nice. You can see as well that each rune has been meticulously carved. And although this gentleman seems eccentric, his arcane work is paramount. As you walk across the deck, there is just a glow of energy across it. And this, for you, Mardox, is made of the finest timber that you have seen. So with this arcane gift left to you. Do you think we have to uh, waste some of our gold or do you think that the uh, demos will just eat it because it's there? I think we could put... Yeah, just a little bit of treasure on there. So, and even like say rocks or stones underneath. So it looks like there's a lot of treasure, but only if we don't have to. Have we been in Mediterranean and on boats in that long enough that any of us would know how to maybe just basics of sailing? Well, why don't we just jump on the boat with Rodessa and go out with her? Mm. Yeah, okay. We well, yeah, use Rodessa and some of her crew potentially. And then take the mage with us. And that way he can just 
transport us back to Mediteri. You you seem to think that I could just magic you anywhere that I like. Marduk's kind of like hefts his axe, just sort of like it gives him a a look like. It's not because I don't want to, Mr. Axe Man. It's because that sometimes there is a certain amount of, say, energy that somebody has in their body and sometimes it's expelled. But I can get this out of the cavern for you, if that is what you'd like. Yes, please. If you could get it to the harbor, uh, Pierre... 14 was ours, was it not? He watches his hands begin to move in a circular fashion and there is an immediate wind throughout this entire cavern that seems to be sourceless, but it's like a blowing fan. The sails unfurl as he uses some sort of prestidigitation to undo them and he watches they fill and the ship begins to move through the arcane shimmering shield. As you look back towards Corvindor, he's like giving you a, a, a flamboyant looking wave and he's like, see you later. Catch a coming up. <laughs> as the ship enters the bay, you watch as Shavi, you move towards the helm and you're about to turn the steering wheel to turn the rudder of the vessel to steer it. But you watch as soon as you get there, the ship's wheel begins to turn itself. Arcane flashes begin to occur throughout it. It begins to pull itself into the docking bay that you had previously designated. And you watch as well as the sails begin to refurl and the anchor is dropped into the ocean. Uh, that uh, well, first I will cast Conjure Woodland Beings and cu- conjure a couple of sprites out uh, flying around us. Uh, almost you see, I guess, two of them kind of hovering around each of us. Just uh, just before you do all this, do, can I grab? Uh, can I get someone to get word to Captain Harrison? Because we still the need Captain to put, goes like, down with the ship. Because we still need to put some gold and shit. So I'm asking for like a treasure chest and uh, like five laborers to come down and start making mounds that we can make look like and i give him instructions on how to you know Mm -hmm. make the treasure it look like a fake treasure ship type thing okay so i'll say over the course of the morning and into the afternoon you ask captain harrison's crew gail harrison and his men to load this vessel up with various different treasures and as they begin to bring some out you also tell them to put the good shit back (laughs) yeah Um, yeah. it's at that point as well drew you begin practicing the magic that you need to and reviewing the book that you had been attempting to learn from over the last month and a half as you look at the cover of it you can see that there seem to be old style runes across it that you know seem to be written in draconic a language that you know you need to be fluent in for any effect to work on Demos Tortuga, a language that you have also heard in your most recent nightmares. And I think uh, in a lot of Drew's spare time, you would almost find him in in his room, um, Ace Ventura style, meditating, animals surrounded by him while trying to read and learn as much as he can from the book. Oh, righty then. <laughs> Probably around midday or so, leading into the afternoon, as you finalize the last chapter of your, your book, Drew, practicing as best you can, the rain begins to fall again. The storm begins to gather. The seas begin to get rough, and you can watch as some of the boats that seem to be weakly tied start to tether their way out to sea on this unnatural moving waves you can see in the distance just the flash of white lightning and it becomes more and more frequent as the afternoon goes on you get a chill down your spine drew you know that demos is out there you feel his anger in the swell of the waves 
and you hear this growling. You look to your left and you realize it's just Mardox knowing that he's, <laughs> he's got PTSD at the moment. <laughs> but as you do look out, you can see that this creature is roaming. It's at that point as well, as you guys begin to get these jobs ready to go, you can hear some wailing and screaming coming down the dock and you watch as one of the boats just begins to crack and crumble almost from an unseen source. And you watch as well from underneath its hull, you see various different legs crawling up the side of it. Roll perception checks. Damn. The 12. 16. 17. 10. Okay, so you're the only one that notices this Mardox and it's probably from the coastal lifestyle that you led for a couple of weeks. Looking at these individuals, you can see that from a distance... As the light flashes, they seem orange, they seem brown in make, they almost look arachnid-like, but there's these pincers on the front. These are crabs. Crabs don't behave like this. You can see them crawling up the side of the boat, ripping off various different parts of ships. And as you look around you, you can see that there seems to be another ship over the side and part of a dock that seems to be being pulled down by this stormy waves. You watch as well as in front of you as three or four of them begin to claw up the side of you. And you can see across to your left as well, there seems to be a line of these soldier-like crabs moving into what looks like a dwelling and taking anything that seems to be of value and they begin to plop back into the sea. It's almost like these soldiers are just moving into Mediterranean from the ocean. How, how big are the crabs? You can see that they vary in size from the size of almost like a, a dinner plate to one that seems to be five to six feet in, in width. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Something and how many? Uh, there is multiple at various different points. You do see one of the crews that you command seems to be just off of the horizon on the bay and you can see them shooting ballistas at the various different crabs that seem to be coming through. You can see various for forces of pirates that you are in command of also beginning to quell this force. But there seems to be quite a march of it coming up onto the Mediterranean shore. Something tells me Deimos might be feeling a bit crabby, boys. Mm. Do we do we stay and fight? Do we trust our captains? Do we go and take care of Damus now? Yeah, I think I, I kind of look at look at the, the other three in a, do we think this is Damos's doing or is this maybe why Damos is angry because something else is happening here? Roll an arcana check. Oh, nature for you. That is a seven. Seven total? Seven total. You can't be sure. You know that your connection with nature is pretty strong. This could be as a result of Deimos' influence, as he seems to be manifesting a lot of different rageful activities around the area, but it could also just be, you haven't been in Mediterranean for a year, it could be like a seasonal migration. You don't know. Wouldn't Mardox know? I'll get you to roll a history check. Uh, 18 minus 1 is 17. Okay, so you know that these animals are acting fucked up. Like, they are not acting on natural instincts. They're literally walking into a community of people who are their predators and they're taking valuable items that mean nothing to them and walking into the ocean with it. So you don't know what's the cause, but you know that it's not natural behavior for these creatures. Maddox kind of points out, like, I've been here for a little while, boys, and this has never happened before. I the only thing out there that likes treasure is Deimos. I think we can assume. Yeah. Do we tackle this head on? Bloody like, turtles. You know, Captain Harrison's still around, I take it. Captain Harrison, we are... How you say, out of here, we need to go and take care of this. Link up with the, the other captains. Make sure you have a defense set for these crabs as they come up. Perhaps you should write it down for him. Say no more. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I swear to this Drongo's drop to drop sack <laughs> that if I find out 
that you hid under another table. Uh, well, um, wasn't my best moment. No. Redeem yourself, Captain. Yes, sir. And he clicks his boots together and you watch as he gives you a salute, but it, it's two fingers <laughs> with missing. Uh, you watch as he begins to mobilize crews and you can see that some of the ships begin to whistle and various pirates begin to climb the rafters of masts and they start to get into action. You see ballista after ballista being fired and to probably 30 feet to your to your left, you can see a massive ballista arrow just pierce this, this crab's shell and it makes a cracking noise. Uh, and as it does so, you watch as it skids across the cobblestone as you begin running into action. Where are you guys going? <clears throat> I think it's time to act. I see everyone climb aboard, get on the boat. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Making your way onto the boat, you watch as soon as all four of you are on, it begins to unfurl sails again and pull out into the harbor. Its heading is true. However, the ship will need some maintenance in order for it to navigate this storm. Uh, so, just we. As you are holding onto this wheel, you watch as this massive tidal wave crashes against the side of the vessel, and as it does so, you lose grip, you sling forward into the wheel, and you take three points of bludgeoning damage as you smash into the side of this vessel. As it churns to the side, it's at that point you watch as uh, Mardox goes to grab the wheel as it's now furiously spinning, and your ship begins to go into a tailspin. So you need to roll an athletics check for me, please, Mardox. Uh, so a seven with a plus seven for athletics, so 14. Okay, so with a 14, you grab onto this wheel and you stop it from spinning. You try to reef it back into the position that it needs to be in so the arcane glyphs lock into its self-navigation phase and you're able to do so. Looking across the horizon, you can see that the storm seems to be getting more and more violent. And even though you're not a weatherman, you're not an arcane user, this is definitely an unnatural occurrence. The violence of it seems to be emulating a rage-fueled attitude. You begin getting closer and closer to where you know Demos takes his ships. You can see the rocky crags protruding from the ocean. And as the waves begin to cause valleys in the ocean, you also see that they are so high that there is shipwrecks below the surface of the water that become visible for but a second before they are crashed and washed away. Over beside the lighthouse, you can see a surging tidal wave begin to move its way towards you. As there is a break in the wave, you can see the mountainous shell of Demos Tortuga enclosing in on your position. I think it's time to abandon the ship, my yeah. friends. Well, Drew will walk, I guess, to the center of the ship and you'll see his hands swirl around flashes of different colors and yeah he will cast conjure woodland beings and you'll see the eight sprites um you know, pop out in front of us and then as uh I'll, I'll, I'll shout out to everyone uh time to jump overboard and you'll see uh four of those sprites turn into a couple of dolphins and a couple of giant sea turtles uh there for, to help out the uh, Jesui, Mardox, and Shavi, uh, so they can stand on them or ride them in the water. Very good. So what I'll get you guys to do, as this spell is being cast, you watch as this tidal wave begins to push against the side of the boat that seems to be slowing down and anchoring to be in its position. As it does so, it's being violently rocked by the tides. So I'll need you to roll dexterity saving throws, please, as this tidal wave crushes through across the deck. 18. Also an 18. 16. <sighs> 6. So just where you'll take 21 points of damage. The rest of you will take half of that. So 21 points of damage for Jusui as this bludgeoning wave begins to batter against him. Shavi, how do you dodge this wave so you take no damage? And you watch as it encompasses most of the starboard side of the ship 
and seems to be fueled by the rage of Demos Tortuga as it comes through. Yeah, well, um, as we're dri- diving off the boat, the wave crashes over, and in, while he's in the air, I suppose, the water comes over the boat. He comes down and lands on the animal that has been conjured. Fantastic. After the water's passed, yeah. Beautiful. So you do this flip, you land on the on the dolphin uh, side saddle, and as you do, you just bounce into the water. Well, we'll move away, and are you going closer, Drew? Uh, we will all be... What sort of range do you have or need? 60 feet away. Okay, 60 feet away. You watch as lightning begins to strike the water just around you as this storm rages on. Demos Tortuga surges against the side of the ship that you had just vacated, against the deck, wood splintering into the air. You watch as well as the mast falls down as his open maw crushes onto the, the bow of the boat. You watch as the sails begin to rip. You can see lightning flashing all around this area as you sit 60 feet away, all four of you. Mardox, you see the turtle that took everything from you. And he's just smashed like six months worth of work as well, like timber-wise. <laughs> <laughs> a rage building inside of Mardox at the side of this creature and the three of you just stare at its immense power, a sight you have seen before, but it's still breathtaking every time. The motions of Demos Tortuga begin to slow. You can see every single strike against the bow of this ship, almost like a set of firecrackers going off one after the other. Just you can see these arcane flares beginning to strike this blue energy. And although a simple spell, you know, Drew, the sleep spell to be simple, multiple of these have quite a damaging effect. Demos Tortuga takes this ship into the bottom of the ocean. The last thing you see is the mass falling below the ocean as if it's being swallowed by mother nature itself. As the storm begins to rage, you can see Demos make his way under the surface of the water. You can see his shell just loft above the sea, and as he does so, and the ship sinks. Ooh, that's not good. So what you see is this shell subside below the waves, and the storm begin to part. The waves begin to settle, and as you look below the ocean, you can see the fragments of wood still flaring that arcane brilliance of the spells going off. And in that light, you can see the lazy, swimming Demos Tortuga seems to be retreating the way that he came. Uh, uh, how about we uh, we follow the uh, sleepy dragon turtle and uh, see if he goes home for a nap? I think that's a, a great idea because we need to cast this spell still, so we'll definitely follow him. What will happen is you will see the uh, other pixies. They will, or three of them, you'll see they'll flare up and they will also cast Polymorph, but they will cast Polymorph on Mardox, Shavi, and Josui. And you get the choice of a huge giant crab or a sperm whale. I was hoping Absolutely for, the sperm whale. I was hoping for ill-tempered bass, but sperm whale. <laughs> no, these things <laughs> the are fucking, These things are badass. Okay, the pixies will stay above the water then. Do I want one more pixie to come with us? Because there's one that won't have cast it. So instead of using its spell on me, I'm just going to wild shape. So as he's swimming down, you will uh, yeah, see Drew's hands reach in the air again. Another swirl. And you'll see the uh, the other three crown killers. They will just start becoming massive, elongoid, white, as they make a massive splash into the water. And you see the three of them are now sperm whales. Did you just say white sperm whales? Three Moby Dicks. Did you? Yeah, he just turned us into three Moby Dicks. He did. 
three Moby Dicks. And at that point as well, what are you doing with yourself? Myself? As I jump and do a nice little swan dive into the water, I become long snake-like and I am turning into a giant lightning eel. All right. As that happens, you can see as well the pixies remain above the waves. One of them sits within the mouth of Wolsey Shavi and you all descend below the calm now waves of the Mediterranean Bay. You follow this dragon turtle. Even though you yourselves are whales, its size still makes you look small. As it does so, its swimming style becomes lazier and lazier as it begins to move into darker and deeper water. Can anybody that wishes to please make a perception or survival check to track where Demos is going? 21. 16. 22. 20. Okay, so enough of you succeed for you to be able to follow the bubble-like trail of Demos. You can see him move as if he's swimming directly into the cliff face of the Mediterranean coast, but he disappears. You follow as whales through this cavernous entryway that seems to be hidden below the surface of Mother Nature's blanket. And as you swim through this cylinder-like cavern, you can see seaweed beginning to caress the bottom of your whale-like bodies as you're moving through, but you also see wrecked ships through this area. The sound muffled in your whale-like ears, but you hear the rhythmic growls of something deep and large beyond. You get to a point, as you look up, you can see light glistening on the surface of, a, of the water. It's blue light, but it's tinged with gold. You can see the ripples just maneuvering as if something large had just exited and the surface of this area just still beginning to settle. Uh, can we not be whales anymore? Yeah, if you just want to turn back into people, then I can't, I can't turn his back again though into animals. So we're following Deimos up into the underground. You break the surface of the water and you can see that there seems to be a ridge that goes upwards and into what looks like a leveled bank that seems to have been created by a very large creature. Oh, so as everyone reaches the surface of the water, I will dismiss the uh, spell and the pixie so that everyone turns back into a human as, long, as well as along with myself. The surface of the water calm. And as you take this area in, there seems to be cracks throughout the top of this cavern that seem to let in some sunlight. So it's dim light in here. And across the walls of the cavern, you can see that it is completely reflected with gold light, indicating that there is a trove above you. As you scour the walls as well, you can see that many ships and parts of masts and sails and decks scatter this area a graveyard, so to speak. You also watch as beside you, a various skeleton floats by. As you just swear with the highest perception looks up onto this bank, you can see jutting out of a pile of gold, a leg and a boot. And those boots you recognize, one of them used to belong to Avery Morgan, his leg remaining in Demos Tortuga's lair. What are you guys doing as you take this sight in and you hear the rhythmic snores of the dragon turtle beyond. Mardox just sort of pulls himself up on like the, the shore and like the it's been a big couple of days. <laughs> it's, it's, it was just a, a happy old lumberjack two days ago and now he's been teleported, he's been a, a whale. It, so he... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so and like considering like three days ago he hadn't seen magic before, he's just really, really struggling. So he gets his um, alchemical flask off his... And um, it can make uh, gallons of um, whatever 
uh, liquid I choose. So he shakes it and he's like, oh, magic jug, now that you're near, I really could do with a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he gets, uh, I, think it's, I think it's two gallons. Uh, there's like five, almost 10 liters of beer. And he's just like, Bunk, cork out of the top, just big drink. He's a thirsty boy. But I think he'll look at the party, finger to his lips as if to say shh, and he will cast uh, Pass Without Trace. So it can be a little bit more sneaky. Make us a sneaky boy. <laughs> Means everyone gets a plus 10 to dex and stealth. All right, I'll say that you all begin to swim and make your way to the same shore along the rocky crag that Mardox is at. The four of you dry yourselves off. You can hear this rhythmic breathing. It seems to be encompassing this whole cavern. And you try to time your movements with the exhales that seem to be louder than the inhales. You begin to climb stealthily. And as you do, you need to roll athletics checks, please. 16. 7. 14. Okay, so three of you make your way up without effort. But as you look down, you can see like a freshly bathed cat trying to climb up a smooth wall. Just we are struggling. Eventually, one of you help him. And it, it wasn't Mardox. <laughs> all four of you poke your head above the crest of this plateau, Scooby Doo style. Yes. Just pop, 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 pop. And what you see is a terrifying sight. Oh, Raggy. <laughs> Mountains of gold. You see treasure to the highest degree. You see blades throughout. You can see gems that seem to be shining in what light is here. Full treasure chests that seem to hold more riches beyond your imagination. You can see a golden throne in this area. You can see what looks like a complete ship towards the back of this chamber that Demos has taken as his own carriage. The bones of horses. You can see rocky formations through this whole area and in the center of it all, seeming to have crawled in and buried himself underneath it like a cozy child in a blanket. The head of the dragon turtle eyes fast asleep. You can see that his scaled face seems to blend quite well with the coins surrounding him and every exhale gives a smell of the sea. You don't know how long this sleep spell will last, but the four of you are in his lair. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. We want to thank you for tuning in as always, guys, and thank you for listening to this after show message. That episode was Maddie as Shavi, Tom as Mardox, Michael as Drew and Kyle as Jasui and myself, Aaron, as the Dungeon Master. Guys, we are so privileged to bring you these stories and we thank you so much for everything you do for D&D Valiant Odyssey. If you want to connect with us further, our Instagram link is in the show notes, as is our Patreon. If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the two exclusive shows available to our patrons twice a month. That is at D&D Valiant Odyssey's Patreon the show notes will have the link for you there. Guys, the very next episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey will feature the crown killers as they enter the lair of Demos Tortuga. That episode will air for you on the 30th of May, so clear your calendars because the action doesn't stop here. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, be valiant.